podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Total Wine & More is a wonderland to explore. Thousands of wines and spirits, unexpected pairings, and great gifts. Low prices and helpful guides. Make the holidays magical at Total Wine & More. Drink responsibly. Be 21. Support for this episode has been provided by Ratio Keto-Friendly Dairy Snacks. If counting macros makes your head spin, count instead on a snack by Ratio. They've done the math for you, so you can spend less time studying the label and more time enjoying your day. Creamy and delicious, try strawberry and vanilla for two grams of carbs and a unique combination of sugar and protein. Interested? Ratio Keto-Friendly Dairy Snacks are now available in the yogurt aisle at Walmart. Always consult your physician before starting an eating plan that involves regular consumption of high-fat foods. Hi lads, uh, yeah, so first episode, Touchline Hotspur, uh, I guess I'll introduce myself first, uh, I'm Sly, I'm your host for today, uh, who's next up? Want to hear something amazing? Discover matches all the cash back you earn on your credit card at the end of your first year, automatically, dollar for dollar, with no limit on how much you can earn. Extra cash? Come on, how amazing is that? In fact, it's even more amazing when you realize all the places where Discover is accepted. 99% of places in the U.S. that take credit cards. So when it comes to Discover, get used to hearing yes more often. Learn more at discover.com slash yes. 2020 Nielsen Report limitations apply. Yeah, I'm Tops. I'm Owen. I'm Tyler. Good way to, to start the episode, that's a good way. And I'm Teacher. It's been a difficult day, and I think I speak for everybody when I start by saying that. (laughs) Support for this episode has been provided by Ratio Keto-Friendly Dairy Snacks. If counting macros makes your head spin, count instead on a snack by Ratio. They've done the math for you, so you can spend less time studying the label and more time enjoying your day. Creamy and delicious, try strawberry and vanilla for two grams of carbs and a unique combination of sugar and protein. Interested? Ratio Keto-Friendly Dairy Snacks are now available in the yogurt aisle at Walmart. Always consult your physician before starting an eating plan that involves regular consumption of high-fat foods. We'll, we'll, t- we'll, let, Nate, we'll, let, we'll let time take its course anyway and express ourselves. <laughs> so just for context for the listeners, uh, we've literally just finished watching uh, Sheffield versus Spurs. And yeah, uh, 3-1 defeat. I think we're all a bit deflated. Uh, <laughs> I'm trying to smile through the pain, but yeah. <laughs> Man, the first any- point where I, I turned it off at 3-0 as well. I didn't even know we scored until that oh, on the... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> on the little oh, <laughs> early walkouts. <laughs> yeah, I, I wanted to turn it off, but I wanted to see if there was at least any positives I could bring into this into this pod today. 
but again, not as you as you Yeah, he he got his goal, which he always does, and yeah, put, put him in position. Like arguably, you know, he could have scored three today as exactly. well. So. Mm. Yeah, so um, I guess the first the first thing we could discuss is the team sheet. How did everyone feel when they saw it? What would you have differently? Firstly, I thought it was I thought it was quite criminal that Delhi didn't start. I know it's obviously like really easy in hindsight to see the lineup, but we all question like who's playing number ten, and um, yeah, like Delhi not starting was a big miss for me. Hmm. Yeah, I agree. Well, what do you you got to think as well, Sheffield United, how they would usually play. They have three centre-backs. They, they defend deep. And we saw so many times throughout the game, Kane was so isolated. And we know if Kane playing, uh, Deli played that kind of shadow striker role, it would have helped him a lot. And obviously, again, the main one, Endombele. We had no one really. The Celso didn't have his best game. Sissoko was Sissoko. And we just had no one really to create anything and get the tempo moving in midfield. Yeah, do you know what I reckon? With the with the starting lineup, I think I've kind of been dying to see a starting lineup like that, which is packed full of pace. Everyone looks like they want to be aggressive. You just kind of think, "Ooh, this could this could work." And then because it's against Sheffield as well, I was thinking, you know what? Weaker side, haven't scored in a while. Perhaps we don't need to be too defensive in this in this game. But what what turned out to be, mm, it mm. just it just. It was doing that again. What what worries me about lineups like that though is they they restrict you to playing one style of football. Mm-hmm. When you got that much pace, you you anticipate like yeah on counter attacks we're going to be proficient, we're going to be pacey, we're going to be able to interchange positions. But in in situations where you're facing a low block, you need someone that's going to unlock the game. And again, we're 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 sitting here pining for a guy that's in on the bench, sitting there, who, when he eventually did come on in, what, the 70th something minute, mm. started to show progressive passing that unlocked unlocked that block. But, again, hindsight is twenty twenty, isn't it? So, is there, mm. is there anyone on the Spurs pitch today that you could single out and say, this person had a good game? And be honest Unfortunately, about it. it would have to be Lucas Moore. You think so? And he got quite a lot of stick before the game. But I'd say Lucas looked like our only bright spark, even though he was kind of taking up that space inside, which ideally he shouldn't. He was the only player who I felt that Sheffield United were actually scared of. Yeah. I, hear that. I thought I thought Bergeron played quite well. Like, you know, he was trying to create attacks, trying to stretch them, especially through the middle on like a lot of counter-attack runs. You know, I didn't think Moore played too badly today. But as obviously Owen said, there's lots of opportunities where he probably took up space that Kane was in, especially as a, as a chance towards the middle of the second half where Lamella's come through. And I think Lamella probably delayed the pass, but probably should have put it through to Kane. And obviously before <sighs> it got to Kane, Mora was, was sort of occupying that space. So... Yeah, I think I think you're right. Like Mora didn't play too bad. I thought Bergen played alright today. Like I don't really have anything positive to say about the back four today. Mm. You know, and obviously Kane mm-hmm. got his goal as well. Um, that's about it, really, in terms of the team that played today for me. 
I think the thing with Lucas Moura as well, he done today what he does every single game. He picks up really nice spaces in between the midfield and defence and then just head down, just runs into a blind alley. Like his decision-making is poor, his passing is poor and he just didn't offer enough for us today, to be fair. Obviously, we'll come on to the ridiculous, which my head is still hot, the VAR decision. <laughs> believe I don't oh, even no. want to give it energy. Bloody I don't yeah. even want to give it energy. Every pain. time I imagine Stockley Park, I just imagine Randall from recess just sitting there <laughs> doing this. <laughs> and for the most minuscule thing. Oh, I see yeah. it. I see it. I, I envision Stockley Park as a bunch of guys sitting there doing lines and having escorts around because they're not focused <laughs> on the game. More for they're not focused on the game. Nothing. I'm yeah, not respect it, that. It's too much power, isn't it? It's like, oh, ultimately, it makes the, the referee on the pitch obsolete. There's never any deliberation. There's it's it's becoming it's becoming this running theme as well. We we saw it yesterday with West Ham. It's like common sense is taken out of the game entirely for following the rules, so to speak. Mm. But the rules the rules were designed to be sort of objective in a way, to where you can you you can apply common sense in certain in certain instances, and in this particular instance. If you can't apply common sense, then the play should have been pulled back after the goal was chalked off because it progressed yeah. through through an advantage. So natural progression is okay, cool, they get the ball yeah. back. Absolutely. But again, it's farcical. It's it's not really worth the energy. We don't have the luxury of seeing how, how Jose spazzes out about it either. So I guess for me, I would like to move on. But if anyone else has anything to say about it. I totally agree with you, Sai. Like, if you think about that actual possession, like, if it's not a foul, fine. But it was a foul. So if you're going to say, okay, the movement just after the foul where he did handball it, which by, by my like, estimation, the ball was kicked into him and he fell. He was literally trying to protect himself as he was falling down. Mm, yeah. So mm. when I'm looking at it, I'm thinking, oh, fine, at least if you're going to say it's a foul, it's, it's a foul. But if it's not, you can't then ex- expect him to not protect himself. How does he expect him to fall on the ground? You know, yeah. I think it's very, very harsh um, because others have been given where players have actually consciously handballed and they've brought it back. But I don't think Moore can do anything about that, you know? Yeah. And did you even see the rest space when he gave it? He looked nervous. When he gave that, when he gave that, when he gave that, he was like, he looked at Harry Kane and was like, boy, I'm just here, I'm just getting paid. Yeah. He looked nervous. He looked nervous. He knew it was nonsense. He knew it was nonsense, but there's nothing you can do. I'm not even convinced they even touched Lucas's arm. It looked like, yeah. it looked like his arm slashed back. It like happened so quickly. You can't give a decision like that. And in the end, obviously we were, sh- we were shit, really. But you can argue that cost us the game as well. Or, you know, there's been a number of occasions that similar sort of instances where if you look back earlier in the season, we had a, a very good sort of first 60 minutes against Leicester. And mm, we had a very well. harsh goal chalked off. Mm. And when that goal was chalked off, Leicester almost found a second wind and then obviously buried us in like the last 10. And today yeah. you're thinking, all right, we can see the silly goal. Fine, let's try get back into the game. You know, as I said earlier on, like we had them on the ropes, created a lot, created what I thought was quite a lot, and then got ourselves in the position to get a goal, which I think was a fair goal. And then obviously it got chalked off. And then obviously, probably getting to half time, 
heads are a bit down. They're thinking we probably should have got that goal, but probably don't deserve to be down. Whereas if you look on the other side as well, Sheffield United are probably going into that thinking, all right, we got away with that one. Now let's go for it in the second half. Mm, that is a good point that you make, Tops. Uh, ultimately, for me, the, the, the sort of passage of play mirrored quite, quite closely uh, the, the sort of flow of the Man United game in terms of we had opportunities to make change coming out of half-time around the 50-55 minute mark to sort of stem the tide of them coming back into it, but we didn't. So we just invited pressure. Because after, after 55 minutes, I didn't feel like we really showed anything in that yeah. little passage of play leading up to their second goal to say, okay, cool, we're, we're going to get back to this. And obviously, the old adage of half-time, half-time sometimes kills your momentum, played a major part in this game as well. Um, I feel like in, in these moments, like we're seeing Jose sort of deviate away from the things that he's known for in terms of ruthless substitutions and like mm. tactical changes that can really change the way that a game plays out. And for whatever reason, he's just not doing that for us at the moment. And I want to give him the benefit of the doubt, but I mean, we saw, we saw them score and then Nombele gets on the pitch and basically the game was already done by that point. Yeah, I think with the Jose thing, I think it's one of those ones where he still doesn't want to rock the boat. And I feel like that aggressive substitution tactic, that works, I think, when the team's a bit more settled, when perhaps the team's performing a bit better, but he hasn't got the results. I don't know if he's got the dressing room yet. And to be fair, he kind of needs to prove himself because he's not coming from a place of security in terms of his last job. And then, like, I just also feel like, regardless of, of what we sit here and say today, yeah, to concede three goals against Sheffield United, not an informed team, a weakened team at that, it's just, what was the plan? And then you look at the team that got outed, and it's just like, bro, no one, Jose Mourinho is not sure about what he's doing right now, and that's the fact. He's still trying stuff out, and, and the thing is, he's taking us for guinea pigs, and that's, that's not right. Thing is, I can hear all the Man United fans laughing, listening to me speak, because they'll be like, we warned you, man. I remember early on, it might have been his second game against Olympiacos, and he took off Eric Dyer after like half an hour and, yeah. and put on, I can't remember who, but he turned the game around, we ended up winning. And I was like, oh, this is what we need with Mourinho. Poch never done an early sub like that. And now I don't know what Mourinho's doing. He just kind of, I don't know, he seems scared to kind of make a change early on. Like he yeah. He's image gang, isn't he? He he likes he likes this facade of like this this guy who knows everything, does everything in right timing and all of that stuff. And I mean, I don't want to be too harsh on him because I feel like this season was a write-off since Poch <laughs> Poch uh, lost a couple of games, and I, I I feel like from that moment I knew where it was going. We're gonna get rid of him. We're gonna have this moment of unrest. Um, but the signs aren't aren't really all that. Yeah, like with, that this, uh, with the first sub as well. I didn't think the timing was terrible, but the player he brought on as that first sub being Lamella. Yeah, where he <laughs> he basically killed it. Like he breaks down almost every attack we seem to have. He's almost too busy just being on the spectrum and 
putting crayons up his nose to release the part. So he's thinking about doing a ball roll and he decides against doing the ball roll. Like, he just does all these needless touches and just doesn't release the ball. So that was frustrating. If Delhi and Ondombele came on at that time, I think that would have been a much better substitution. And yeah. 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 And, and I don't think like... the middle was right. Sorry? Say that again, sorry. Sorry, I thought I cut somebody off, but I was saying I, no, I don't think Lamella was the right change at that point. No. It was it was too soon, and it was one of those ones where he's not going to have enough influence to change the game in any sort of direction. Like what Lamella gives you is a bit of creativity sometimes, and some decent hold up play and some aggression. Beyond that, he's not getting us goals. He's not going to find that that killer pass that's going to land on Kane's head or on his feet or whatever, mm. and. If anything, he's just gonna he's just gonna disrupt the, the play. He's just gonna disrupt because he, he's so he's so I wouldn't say he's selfish, but he's so one track minded. It's get the ball, hold it for a while, do something cool, and pass it, and then try and repeat that when possible. It just went right. It went, it went right. It's problem it's frustrating, like like with Lamella. I think, I just think it's just, it's frustrating because he's someone as well that often takes up very good positions in the attacking third, mm. and. The one thing that I just can't with him is that the guy holds on to the ball so long and mm. to the point where not only does it just either slow down the attack, but a lot of times it breaks down the attack. And personally, I don't think he should have been the player to come on. Um, yeah, maybe if you've brought on Delia, if you've brought on Ndombele to try and change the game. But I don't think that was the right move. I actually don't think Bergeron should have come off. If anything, it should have been Sun. Like, I don't think Sun was very good today. Um, he goes through these periods where he comes in and out of games. And obviously, we could tell that, yeah, through the middle with Sissoko, we were quite limited. So to have Ndombele on a bit earlier probably would have been my choice. And even then, throughout the game as well, even the positions that Dele was taking up are not positions I really want to see him in. I want to see him close to Kane, mm. stretching the defence, trying to get him behind, you know, finding those pockets where he kind of flourishes in that final third. And a lot of times I was seeing him, you know, drifting far left in the central sort of positions. And he didn't really, if I'm honest, have that much of an influence when he come on either. So, I don't know. It was a bit frustrating. The substitutions were a bit funny. Personally, like bringing Endombele on at 2-0, it's almost like he's trying to appease us fans. But he knows what he's doing because Endombele ain't the player that's going to change the game at 2-0 no. down, you know? No. Yeah, I think I think one one of the one of the big things and the big problems with the Lamella uh, substitution is when you pop him in the middle and you've got more on the right hand side. Again, you just got two two over exuberant exuberant children just running into each other and <laughs> bashing heads, playing bumper cars, and it's 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 frustrating to watch because both of them both of them can change a game if they're in the right sort of spaces on the pitch and they have the right people around them, but at that moment, you need to stretch the pitch. And what we what we keep consistently seeing is guys basically just contracting within like such a small area of the pitch, and it just plays into teams like Sheffield Sounds. We we need to we need to be a little bit more expansive and a little bit more brave, have a bit more guile about us instead of just basically trying to fumble the ball into the back of the net. 
yeah, a lot of times it looked like kind of just dribble and inshallah towards their goal without any like <laughs> proper creativity. <laughs> there was oh, a lot man. of times, especially in the first half as well. I saw Kane peel off his marker at the back post, and I saw Oria get the ball. It's like you've got this in your locker to get this there, and every time it was just kind, of, it was it was off, and it was really frustrating because that could have been a goal for us quite easily, but. Oh yeah, didn't have a good game either, unfortunately. No, he hasn't had a good game in a while and it's starting to annoy me. I'm not gonna lie. Because the thing is with Aurea, yeah, we do see flashes of of an of a decent player. We see flashes of a decent player. Like there's been certain occasions you see the technique that he executes when he scores a goal and you're like, actually, this person knows what they're doing. And at certain times he looks strong and he gets his head down and makes the right decisions, but just not enough. Not enough for us to keep making excuses for him. No, we have, we've not been blessed with right backs, have we? Like even no. before Carl Walker left, he'd be making quite a lot of mistakes. Maybe not as obvious as Aurier, but just more position, and he'd give the ball away in silly areas. Uh, Trippier's last season was quite painful, as mm. he was playing with the injury. So yeah. it is what it is. Now Aurier, who I think he's actually really good going forward, but I still I I don't think I'll ever trust him going back. Mm-hmm. Mm-mm. And if he could just jockey in, inshallah, that that would be yeah. fantastic. He just doesn't believe in that at all. So uh, yeah, I'm I'm flogging him in the summer. I yeah, absolutely. He used a lot of that. AS Monaco are interested in him. Like we need to get some decent <laughs> money for him. Yeah, I'm always in disbelief. Just get rid of him, man. Like, we can I get just... a decent fee for him to go a long way to get in errands, I think. Mm. But right backs ain't coming cheap these days. That's the thing. I mean, we get rid of Aurier and we're just... Well, what, we, who are we playing? Tanganga? It's just, it, we, we ain't really got many options. No, that's we why ain't. I think Aaron's going forward would be a good choice. Back up. Um, we spoke about it in the Discord chat as well. We could hypothetically give Tanganga minutes or Foyth or Jetson in that kind of tucked-in right-back role and then give Sessegnon that licence which Aurier has now to get forward get a bit of a partnership going on with whoever's on the left, whether it be Sun or we talked about Delhi playing there. I think that could work. Mm. And I think that'll give us a really good balance and it'll actually justify us investing the money we did in Sessegnon. So I do think there's a player there, especially at left wing back. He's maybe not quite ready to play left back, but as say, given that license to go forward and help out the attack like Aurier does now could be a really good fit for us going forward. What did you not think about that? Sorry, four, two, two, two. What did you not think about that? Oh, I don't know. Like my one issue with it was, well, first of all, actually, if you have like Kane as your focal point, then you have to have the three or the two behind him, at least in like positions where they either interchange or they know their role positions, right? But there was a lot of the time because we obviously we always know that Aurea takes up that right-hand position. So that means one of the wingers, be it Bergerin or Lucas, which normally is, would be pushed inside. But there were lots of lots of times where we were very narrow. Like in our build-up play, we were very narrow. And obviously, we, we weren't going to really get anything on the left side from Davies. So this is the sort of game that if you have the three of them, I would be hoping that like Son would push himself out wide, maybe... Lucas or Bergeron would also try and support on the wings to try and just open them up because, as the commentator said as well, like it's very good and very easy for the defenders to, to be face-on because they know exactly what's coming at them because we yeah. were very narrow, large amounts of the game. And then 
if we were to open it up, try bring in some wing play or to, you know, at least force the defenders to, to defend a different way, then we could have obviously created options. As Oinov obviously said, like we had a lot of disappointing sort of final balls from Aurier. So like it wasn't as if we were getting very much from that side. And mm. I don't again I don't think Sun played particularly well. It was weird. Like normally he's quite happy to to sort of <clears throat> hug that touchline. But then today you often find him coming in sort of narrower positions and the three of them seem to be interchanging quite a bit, but I just don't think it worked very well. Like, again, like, very diff- difficult for the Chelsea to get into the game because out of two central midfielders, he's the only progressive one. Like, I love Soko and I love his work rate and his hunger, but it's games like this that I think is so frustrating because you often find defenders are trying to bypass him because he's not happy or willing to take it on in tight areas, tight positions to try and progress. So then you often find that you have a spare man and he's not really giving you much. Whereas actually, if you have someone who's happy to take the ball on, maybe beat a man, quick one-two, quick triangle, then you open it up and you can move the play on. But I don't know. Seen since um, Mourinho's come in, he's played like this lopsided um, defence and midfield with Aurea pushing forward and Davis tucking into a back three. And you can, you can see the logic behind it. Um, but I feel like he does this to make sure we're defensively secure. We was literally the opposite today. Every time Sheffield and I came forward, we looked like conceding. And I feel like it's kind of now, it's a time, especially against Everton on Monday, we've got to try something different. Um, relying on Aurea is the only outlet as any sort of wing play when five out of ten of his crosses go completely into the stands. It's not good enough. We need to try something different in midfield. We need to try a different formation because we keep playing that same... Um, formation and it's so predictable to play against like you guys were saying Sun comes tucked in then we have no one on the left and then everyone's just cuddled in the same position on the edge of the box and we saw it today it seemed like we were trying to walk the ball into the back of the net you had Lamella doing his, his rollover of the ball Kane, Delhi, Sun all taking up the same sort of position and no one wanted to try something different you saw Lucas when he when Aurea went off Lucas went to the right we're just playing these awful loft crosses in. <laughs> oh, and they were all completely awful. out of ideas. Mm. We've had nine days off, you know. Sheffield only played a few days ago against Arsenal of all teams as well. We've had nine days off. What are we doing on the training ground? Like, God knows. That's what, that's what <laughs> we're, we're trying. Nine what we're doing. <laughs> what right. we seem to be doing is uh, on, on the training pitch is trialing everyone but the right people at right back. <laughs> it makes no sense. I mean, for me, for me, one of the disappointing things is we, we finally seem to have options in centre midfield to allow us to sort of find a balance to, for specific games. And every game we seem to get one bit right and the other bit wrong. Like for mm-hmm. me, if you're going to play any sort of 4-4-2, any variation of that, you need two, two guys that can collect the ball and move the ball proficiently. And Suzuki can't do that. Um, so there's a lot of open space in front of him and there's a lot of space for him to drop into. But what you, what you tend to see is him pointing to the other side of the pitch because he's scared to receive it. Whereas if in that situation you have, say, a Winks or, dare I say his name, a Tongi, you, you, have, you, you have a dynamic between the two guys that could be reminiscent of, say, a Huddleston and a Modric. Two guys that can position themselves well to receive the ball turn to pass the ball and can also 
putting a shift defensively either by positioning or harrying uh, opposition. But we're not doing either. We're, we're sort of leaving all the harrying work to a Sissoko and hoping that the Celso can collect the ball and make something, something happen every possession of play. And it becomes quite frustrating. I'm still not convinced where the Celso's got to play naturally. I feel like he could be effective in a cam position, but I don't know if I trust him there. I feel like if he's deeper, then we'll miss out on some of that influence that he offers. And I just feel like in that deeper position, I'm not, I, don't, I don't think he's got the strength or the pace or the desire to, to get back after 85 minutes, which is you know when teams are switching off and the opposition switching on. So for me, I just, I just feel like with Mourinho, he's, he's just not sure who's going to play where for him. And the thing is, I kind of feel like, yeah, we've got these options, but I wonder if it's at our hindrance. Because it's kind of like every day he's asking himself, how do I set up this squad? And I still don't think he's got the answer to that question yet. I've, I've got you, a feeling uh, that both... Sorry. I, I've got a feeling that both him and, and Don Belly were purchased with the intention to play them as, a, as two of three centre midfielders. Mm. With potentially Winks dropping deeper or Sizoko as like the sort of uh, Kante type role of just run around and cause some havoc while the other guys sort of pop the ball around. And Obviously, the diamond was just dead in the water from the beginning, but the option is still there for us to play a 4 through 3 Not only do we have the rotation in the midfield, but we've finally got enough players to play in the wide areas as well. And we've not really explored that at all since Mourinho mm. came in. Mm. I mean, we were talking on the Discord as well, like what our, like our strongest 11, our strongest formation would be. And I think a lot of us agreed on the 4-3-3. The um, with a Winks or a Sissoko or a Dyer if he moves into midfield again, uh, holding Endomale and um, Lo Celso, uh, patrolling just in front, hopefully in a good shift as well. And then that leaves even more space for Payne and then two wingers to either come inside or stay wide. It just gives us a lot more options to play with. And I'm not sure why we're not trialling it. It'll be interesting to see if he does it against Everton. I'm sure he won't, but <laughs> we can hope. How do you guys think we'll set up against Everton? To be honest with you, Everton, you know, they've got lots of technicians in that team. They've got, they've got pace with Richarlison and um, Calvert-Lewin, who, you know, these guys seem to be on form. Uh, I think Everton will be a difficult game for us. Like, I'm not sure how they're going to take this because, <clears throat> as mentioned earlier on, like, we've just had nine days out and... You'd think, you know, maybe they had a few days off and they would have hit the training and then they hit it quite hard just before the game. But if anything, maybe I feel like it's maybe had, any, had a bit of a hindrance because, to know, today they just seemed to lack just... They seemed a bit flat. I just feel like um, there wasn't enough hunger, there wasn't enough desire. Like, you know, fair play to Sheffield United. They held their own and they were very happy to sit and defend. And then, obviously, they were clinical when the chances came. but. Again, like I'm looking at my 11 and I'm looking at their 11, I'm thinking they're not better than mm. us. But somehow we've conceded three goals and we've only scored in the 90th minute. I mean, it's very, very frustrating. Like, I'm really, really like, I just, I'm, I'm confused at the moment. But 
I think the only way we can just change it is to get back on that horse and in the next few days try and improve mentality, maybe try and improve our methods. Like defensively, we weren't amazing today. Um, but it seems that, you know, like if there was any sniff of top four, that's definitely gone now. Like, so we just got to try and get some positives, you know, from the rest of the season. That's another away loss, which we have to contend with and think about how we're going to improve on that front as well. Right? I think that's the most bitter pill. That's the bitter pill to swallow is coming, coming back into this restart. I was, I was, I was quite optimistic at the fact that both home and away fans don't play a factor. And I feel like for the entire season, the top, the toxic environment at home and then obviously the sort of fear factor away from home has really hindered like how expressive a lot of our players have been. People were scared to make mistakes because of jeering, all of that type of stuff. I was hoping that it didn't play a factor, but obviously to, to put it into perspective, it is only one loss, but the signs are there that some players are still playing within themselves. Mm. I feel like for whatever reason, Sun is maybe looked at Obama Yang and said, oh, he hides a Black Panther mask. Let me get my Guy Fawkes mask <laughs> without realising that. that. That means that it's perceived as anonymous. And like, he's, he's not really been a factor for the last couple of games, which is disappointing. But obviously, we, we, we go on to the next game. We go on to the next game, don't we? So we'll see what happens. Be fair, the most disappointing thing for me from today there's a lot, but the most is that, yeah, you can have bad days going forward. We looked out of ideas, but that happens with, with teams. But defensively, I, I was actually bigging up Dyer, bigging up Sanchez against Manu and West Ham. And today they just looked so vulnerable. Yeah. Oli McBurney. Did you see his goal? Oli McBurney. Oh, it's embarrassing. This guy, this guy can't be scoring goals like that against us. <laughs> Do you know what? I've got to say, the defending today, and I'm not going to lie, I've been, I've been singing Dyer's praises. Regardless of the penalty, I've been saying, you know what? Dyer's had a good couple of games. He's yeah. looked solid. He's looked strong. He's looked aggressive. He's looked athletic. But what today showed me is that if we haven't got experience in a centre-back position consistently over a long period of game and games and time, you're going to get found out. You're going to get found out. He weren't touched tight. He got caught up ball-watching. And it's just at the wrong time at the wrong place. And you just got to be there to put it in the back of the net. And then you've got Batonga and Aldebiro sitting down. I still don't get it. I know there's some kind of dynamic there. There's got to be something going on. But for me, it's just like, that don't make sense. That don't make sense. No, the only sense is, I mean, uh, Eric Diaz is kind of Mourinho's teacher's pet since he's taken over. And he's kind of experimenting with that. And it's not come off today. Yeah. Yeah. See if he like, plays Toby against Everton, at least. And you know what? I get your point about, you know, Eric Dyer. Maybe, you know, he's, he's been, been playing himself into the position. But then I just don't see what Davidson Sanchez's excuse is. Like, again, mm. today, <laughs> this is a guy who's a natural centre-back, apparently. Like, just full of errors and mistakes and just doesn't... Mm. It's weird. Like, it's like he doesn't read the game as well as he probably should do because like everything about his game like he's big he's quick he's fairly physical you're thinking that he should be able to boss most strikers that he comes up against but then you watch him and 
The guy is he's second to like everything. You know, he doesn't win everything in the air. Like you often find him like with the ball at his feet. You're not always convinced. Given you know, gives away things silly. And today as well, like I just think, you know, if you're going to say Dyer maybe has the excuse that defensively, okay, he's not always been there, but maybe he's had his head in midfield. But you would hope that an actual natural centre back would probably pull him aside and say, listen, do this, do that. Yeah. Put you in this position, put you in that position. Yeah. I just feel like sometimes, like, to be honest with you, I'm split on, on David Sanchez. I really am. I really thought when, we, when he first signed him, this is a guy that had a lot of potential. Um, you know, as an international, seems to like, you know, be, be very well thought of. But now, you know, as the, as the games go on and the seasons go on, I, I'm just waiting for an error, waiting for a mistake from him. And, I don't know. I'm, a, I'm lost. There's a theme emerging with him. There's a there's definitely a theme with him. Uh, anytime there's a player that's willing to engage in that physical battle with him, he gets lost in that. So he forgets he forgets the other aspects of his game that mm. make him a proficient centre back. <clears throat> if you notice against say uh, West Ham when Antonio absolutely gave him the run around, most of the game he was just focused on bumping him, pushing him, and shoving him. When realistically, all he had to do is play a little bit off of him, he would have had him the whole game in his pocket. We've seen him do it against guys like Aguero, who is an intelligent player who can pick the ball up to feet. Sanchez deals with those players a lot better than he does the more physical, physical, burly defenders who are going to start to get into a jostling match with him. So I think it comes down to maturity for him. I, I, can, I can see a very, very good centre-back there. You've got to keep in mind that he is young for defensive standards. Uh, but, yeah, we, we, we can't keep seeing the same mistakes over and over again because he's just going to work his way out of the team. That's been the theme of the season. There's so many individual errors from Oria to Sanchez to Alderweireld to Dyer. Literally any player, they've made some sort of defensive error that's led to a goal. And it, this can't keep continuing. It's the fullbacks for me. I just feel like in the last couple of seasons, you've shipped Danny Rose, Trippier, Cole Peters is on. Is he on loan? Cole Peters has gone out. Yeah, Samson, yeah. And it's like, what was the plan there then? Just to hold Ben Davis and Aurier? Like, I think in a centre-back position, we've got options. We do. And we might not like them all the time, but I think as far as any sort of top four contending Premier League team can ask for, we're, 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 we're reasonably stopped. But we can't get them playing. And as you said, the individual errors, I don't know where that comes from. Maybe it's a lack of leadership in terms of Maurice giving people their heads up or slapping people around the ear. I don't know. But I just feel like when we was playing under Poch, we had, what, did we go two seasons as the... Best defensive teams. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Do you know what I mean? And it's like, We've got more or less the same squad, but barring the, the transfers for Danny and, and, and um, Trippier, more or less the, the back four is intact. So I'm not going to, I can't say it's that. So I just look to the fullbacks for me and say there's something, there's something. Ben Davis got found out all game to the point where Vertonghen had to come on because he was getting bullied in the left back position. Every time they, 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 they put it upfield, it was straight to left back and Ben Davis was struggling all game. Like the drop off. Like, obviously, Rose and Walker have gone and they've been gone for a while. But mm -hmm. if we're being honest with, with ourselves, like, the drop-off since 
we've never really recovered it. We've never yeah. really got uh, full backs. Even if we're like, even if you look at like Rosen Walker as left wing backs, right wing backs, right. If you're just having a conventional left back or a conventional right back, the guys that we've got in just haven't been at the level that we've acquired. And let's be honest, one of the main attacking positives about Posh's team was the ability to have two fullbacks who were very mobile, very technically proficient in the attacking areas, whilst having the ability and the assuredness to always be solid in defence, even if they need to use their pace or if their ability to just defend. So then when Walker went, we're always looking for someone to kind of take his place. We've kind of had trips along the way. You know, we've had Oya come in, but clearly these guys haven't been up to it. Um, and then obviously Rose as well. Age has probably hit him. But then like Oria and, and Ben Davis are both 27. So it's not as if these guys are aging, but I just don't think they're at the right level that we require them. Um, and they just don't offer us enough as all-round fullbacks in order for us to progress our play. And it's very frustrating because, you know, if you look at a lot of our outlet today, especially on that right side, it was through Oria. So we're kind of putting our attacking ability, our attacking, you know, potential to his ability to make final balls, to his ability to make the right pass. And obviously, as you said, like, the minute you smell blood, you just go for it, you know? And mm. if they probably saw that with Davies as well, they would have, he would have thought, okay, everything's coming my way. Maybe someone can pull me in. But what did we do? We take him off and bring on a 33-year-old. Like, <laughs> uh, I'm just, like, it's so frustrating and it's, it's, very, it's very difficult to understand how we're going to get ourselves out of this revolving cycle. Like, and, you know, by, by no means am I slandering these guys. These guys have been, you know, loyal. They've been at the club a long time. Players like Vertonghen, players like Davies. But obviously, if we're trying to move to the next, to next level, like, these yeah. are the sort of players that are going to move us there, you know? Yeah. I'm talking of players. Um, what did you guys think of Trippier's quotes that we would have won the Champions League if um, mm-hmm. Dembele was still at the club? What did you guys think of that? What did he say? I to touch what on did he, say? he said if Dembele was still at the club, Tottenham would beat Liverpool in the Champions League final. What's up? He was a great player, though. <laughs> he was incredible, man. He was yeah, incredible. I, don't know if I, I don't know if I agree, but... Yeah, I don't. I don't agree. And more, more, more important. I, I don't know why Trippier is just turned into chatty patty since he left. Yeah, oh. well, for me, that's the thing that's Zocco. That's the thing that's Zocco. That's the thing that's Zocco because of the was it a penalty? The handball, yeah. Yeah, that's the thing. Within the first minute, huh? mm. Mm. you can't win a game in the Champions League final like that. How can you? Yeah, I think I've been the. I think it's all in bad taste, man. Like, to be perfectly honest, to put all of your hopes on one player is, what does that say about everybody else? I mean, exactly. Everyone had the opinion that Kane shouldn't have started. I, I've, I've urged on the side of your best player plays, isn't it? If he says Every he can time. run, you, you put him on. Um, but Trippier, Trippier shouldn't really say anything because no. for, for all accounts, he was terrible for the whole season. Mm. Crying his eyes out every every other match because he was getting jeered and all of that stuff. Like, just looked like a whiny child. Say that again. I was the one booing him most of the time. (laughs) 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 It's 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 difficult because like, again, trips like, you know, I think he was a good player, but I feel like 
he knows what he's doing by making these statements. You know, these are very sort of, in my opinion, dark statements about a club that was very loyal to him and put him in a position for him even to be at a club like Atletico. Yeah. You know, I feel like there's absolutely, there's lots of reasons to believe why we didn't win that final, but for him to place it, you know, singularly on Dembele, when actually Dembele went in January, so we still had the second round, the quarters, the semi-finals, the finals to get to that, to even get to the final. And for him to say, because we didn't win it because he wasn't in that one game. No, there's lots of reasons, you know, maybe Kane shouldn't have played. Maybe Tottenham shouldn't have been so conservative against maybe what was Liverpool's not best performance. Like there's lots of reasons why we probably shouldn't, why, why we didn't win that game. But I think for him to put all of that on Dembele, um, yeah, it's not very, I don't think it's very nice towards his ex-teammates. Like, I also feel it's very hypocritical of him. Because, you know, from the comments that he made, like, he obviously is very passionate about his time at Tottenham and, like, how he was basically made to feel when he left. But I also do believe that there's a lot of truth in what was, what's been said about him. You know, like, he wasn't good enough in a lot of the games if we're talking about individual errors, he was a player that gave a lot of balls away, a lot of, you know, key, key areas and, make, and made a lot of poor decisions when he was a right back. So I feel in this moment, he's probably best place to just keep quiet. But, I mean, you know, like uh, he has a right to say anything. The, the way I see it is, like, as, as, much as, as much as we're terrible at the moment, that Atletico move is a sideways move as far as I'm concerned. Coming off a Champions League final, like, I don't care whether you win or not, you made it to that final. Atletico aren't coming off of that success. Mm. Like, as, as, as much as I don't just like this whole, oh, yeah, participation medals, all that stuff, you've got to call a spade a spade. And to get to that position is a testament to all of the work that the board has done up until a certain point the work that Poch did with that squad and the individuals in that team. So to sort of write it off and basically take little jabs at the way that we do transfer business and all of that type of stuff, is it's, it's in bad taste. And like I would prefer for guys in that position, like your kids are in the sun going to school, like that's every man's dream, and just revel in, in, in your success and leave all the slander alone because, yeah, we can all deal without that, man. Mm. Do you guys feel like Musa Dembele is kind of like the pre the precursor to Ndombele? Do you feel like there's a there's a there's a switch there? One hundred. Yeah. There's a replacement there, isn't it? Yeah. I don't think it's the same job. I don't think it's the same job, but I think the flair, the creativity. And the way you can just turn out of trouble, most importantly, is something I've... I mean, you can, you can get that in Winks a bit, but not the same the way that Dembele used to do it. And I feel like there's a player in, in Ndombele which is actually going to offer you that option, which I think we haven't had since Dembele. And we missed... One of, our, one of the credits I will give to uh, Levy is, obviously, we transitioned from uh, Carrick, eventually got Modric. From Modric, we went to Dembele. From Dembele, we're moving on to Endombele. Mm. And one of the things that all, all, all four of those players, they, they share is the ability to progress the ball up the pitch without really any, any hindrance. They, could, they can look up, they can shift the ball. 
Uh, they all go about it slightly differently. Obviously, Modric being the pinnacle of that, being able to be the metronome in midfield, do pretty much everything top to bottom in order to be successful in that position. But what we saw in Dembele is what he didn't have in vision and, and, and passing ability, he had with being able to drop a shoulder and take a whole team out of, yeah. out of the game. I feel like Endombele has that, but he has that additional asset of being able to just get the ball out of feet within one touch. We saw it today. We've seen it throughout the course of the season. And obviously, there are question marks about his application based on one game where he completed when zero sprints. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I mean, that, that's something that I would like to touch on at another time when we've got more time. Uh, but obviously, the signs are there that we do have a player. We, we just have to have Mourinho, who's not renowned for it, but we need him to unlock the potential in that guy because he's a key to our success for what we have at our disposal. Like, yeah. I totally so, believe that, like, Endon, no, excuse me, Musa Dembele was, he was, an, he was an enigma. Like, the guy is so highly rated by a lot of his fellow professionals. And it's one of these things where, like, you know, fine, you can look at him, maybe he didn't have the stats, but everyone's given him the eye test and basically given him top marks. Like, mm. the guy was absolute machine in midfield. His ability to keep the ball, his ability to beat players. And actually, if you look at the players that he played alongside, the Winks, the Wanyamas, the, the Dyers, he helped improve all these players as well by playing mm -hmm. alongside them. And it's by no means that everyone's saying, who's the best player you've played with? And pretty much every Tottenham player I've, I've ever heard has I've always said that he is the best player. Like, I do feel, yes, injuries probably really sort of, like, sort of pushed him down a wayside. And it was a bit frustrating because you weren't really getting the proper Moussa Dembele. But I do feel, if we're talking, you know, technical ability, um, that Endombele is just as good. Like, you know, Endombele, I feel, it's funny, like, I feel like he's, he's not a luxury player in the sense that you have to carry him. But if you give him a job, you won't 100% be sure that he's going to do it because of the type of player he is. You kind of, want to support him with someone to kind of enable him to do what he does best. And sometimes I feel when I watch him, like even today, I was watching him and I was like, you can tell there's a player there, but he's clearly rusty because he's had no minutes and he's had hardly any game time to be able to do what he can do. Like to compare the two, you probably can. Like, you know, these are sort of players that are, yeah, we've kind of had in our, in our sort of line of like midfielders who are very good at progressing the play and getting on the ball. But again, this is the first season and we kind of need him to build his game and build his fitness, get himself right. right. And I feel like, you know, this Project Restart, since we've been back, is like the perfect time to do that, you know, because you're just going to get in a vicious cycle where we're going to finish the season, he won't have had much game time, and then you're in this vicious cycle where he maybe might go away in the summer, have a bit of a holiday, relax, put on weight maybe, doesn't play football again, and then you're trying to get him back to full fitness again when the new season starts, you know? Yeah, the interesting thing about uh, Trippier's interview was, like, it, it seems he alludes to speaking to some of the Tottenham players or members of our current squad about Ndombele. And the feedback was just everybody rates him. He's yeah. this, he's that. And 
I guess the one black mark you could put on Moose Dembele was his effectiveness once he did reach the final third. That could be the only black mark. Yeah, yeah. This is where Ndombele's ceiling, I feel like, is higher because once he does get to the final third, he does have an extra dribble in him. He's got that final third pass as well. Yeah. Yeah, I and think he's not afraid to shoot as well. Yeah, yeah, precisely. For his for his quality in the middle of the pitch, he didn't contribute enough in terms of goals and assists. And I think for some, well, for someone of his quality, I should say, he didn't contribute enough for, in terms of goals and assists. And I think Endembele does offer you that option a bit more. Well, I hope, oh, yeah, time would tell. It's still early days, but you'd hope to think he'll he'll fulfil that that requirement a little better. I mean, as soon Looking as Ndombele came on, he played that pass. Obviously, Kane was miles offside where Kane scored. But Ndombele played yeah. pass right through the defence. Yeah, yeah. No, like, this is what we've been waiting for. I have for. a needle. Yeah. yeah. So, we just need that. He needs to start against Everton. He's got 20 minutes under his belt now. But I, I, feel, like, I feel like a broken record just saying, Ndombele needs to start. He needs to start. But <laughs> well, it's... it's like, everyone like, honestly, but, yeah, but Tyler, you're, like, it's not unheard of because this yeah. is our star player this is a 60 million pound record signing and everybody knows what this guy's potential is and yeah. it's just like how can everybody know it and everybody see it and everyone speak of it but the person who picks the team can't like you clearly need to get this guy playing you clearly need to get him in the side to like maybe he needs to be like i don't know sometimes i i don't like this feeling of like footballers who are like adults being coddled but sometimes you maybe need to just get your head, your hand round, you know, on his shoulder and say to him, hey, listen, I know things have been difficult, but, you know, you're a good player. I need you to start getting in, getting yourself, getting your head in the zone and, you know, pushing on because this is the sort mm. of thing that we need from him. Like, the guy is 23, 24. So yeah, it's not as if, like, you know, he's not, he's, he's, a, he's a seasoned pro who's been in the game. He's only been playing pro properly for, like, three seasons max. And this is his first proper season in the Prem. So we kind of need to like give him a chance, but whilst we're giving him a chance, like protect him. But I just, I just feel right now he's been overprotected. Like Mourinho, it's very. The thing about Mourinho, guys, is that uh, Mourinho is he, he loves the games. He loves the games, you see, because if you think about what he's saying, right? If all for I know, he could be saying all these positive things about Ndombele in the week and using it as like a mind game to be like, okay, cool, let's prepare for Ndombele to play and then he will change the team up when it comes to match day but Ndombele doesn't need 20 minutes 30 minutes there Ndombele needs to play 45 minutes 60 minutes and then you will be able to see the kind of result or the kind of performance he's going to give you like as I keep saying I really enjoy Sissoko's work rate I really enjoy his hunger but this is is not a player that's going to progress and try and open up teams that are clearly going to be you know, playing a low block or five behind the ball. And, you know, they're going to be looking to hit it into Rosette at every opportunity, you know? Yeah, definitely. I think uh, before before we wrap up, because we've gone just, just about an hour, um, obviously, speaking of Everton, someone touched on it. Uh, what are our, our predictions? Um, I'm going to protect my neck this time. <laughs> you <first. laughs> Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, Based off today, I would I would I'd hope that the guys come out and they they want to pay pay back after that performance. I do I do think there was an element of uh, unluckiness uh, today, but yeah, depending on how we go about it, I think if Ndombele plays, maybe we we'll winks. I feel like we we do get the victory, maybe a narrow 
<laughs> narrow victory. Uh, we won't keep a clean sheet. Uh, so maybe a 2-1 or a 2-2. Um, narrow, 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 narrow. Um, yeah, tucking the neck in today. <laughs> Do you know Who's what it is next? with the forecasting, yeah? I just feel like it's so difficult for me to suggest what a scoreline is going to be because I genuinely have no idea how Mourinho's going to set up the team. <laughs> Yeah, I'm yeah. literally true, thinking, true, true, true. going to do a 4 2 3 1, 4 3 3, or is it 4 2 2? I have no idea. I have no idea. But to be honest, when you first asked the question, my intuition told me either 2 2 or 2 1 to Spurs, obviously, because yeah. I'm a Spurs fan. But I just feel like I just, it, it just really depends on what, how Mourinho feels that day. Because yeah. it could easily be 0 0 or 1 0 Weber or 1 0 Spurs. I just have no idea. Yeah, precisely. I'll go 3 1 Spurs. Go Tyler. <laughs> You're the giraffe. I'm now. just getting out there. <laughs> it's difficult, man, because obviously right now I'm feeling clinically depressed, isn't it? So I can't even tell you what I Obviously, when we was coming off the back oh, of that West Ham, no. we was all thinking like, oh yeah, then we've all got winnable games left. Arsenal, who are they? Sheffield, shit. Yeah, yeah. we can win these games. And now we're looking at all these teams like, oh shit, how are we going to do, do this? But now I'm, I'm going to... I'm going to go 3-1 as well, you know. 3-1 Spurs. Blind Giraud. No. Baby Giraud. No, like, there we go. Thinking about Everton, the way they played against Leicester the other day, how we played today. I'm going score draw. Like, I, at the moment, I just, I just can't see us not keeping a side like Everton who have got guys who yeah. are very, very happy to, you know, be on the run, getting behind with the defence as well. Yeah. I'm just going to score. Score draw, 1-1, one, 2-2. One, two, two. That's, that's me. That's me. The Fair sad enough. part is what, the one thing we can all agree on is that Spurs is definitely going to concede. Oh, 100%. And if we don't, if we, if we don't concede, I feel like we've got to do a forfeit because of the lack of faith. Yeah, Yeah, no, that was oh, good, lads. Uh, obviously, it's a pleasure to, to get the first the first episode under under our belts um, after the pilot especially I feel like the feeling is good um, look forward to what we can generate content wise as a collective so yeah anyone else got anything to add before we wrap up or yeah this is the first podcast for me and I really enjoyed it so mm. yeah man I look forward to doing more of you lot appreciate yeah, the man, time it's been good yeah, man, it's good. Week we'll, we'll be reflecting on a couple of wins as well. Cause hopefully, next, hopefully, hopefully. Next yeah, Thursday, we'll play Bournemouth as well. So we need yeah. to look at Jose still my daddy. <laughs> <laughs> uh, famous last words. Oh, man. <laughs> That's being clips, man. Don't worry. Yeah. Don't we'll clip to, that. We'll have to see how we go, man. Like, just hopefully, just another few days, we can turn it around, get a few results, and just end the season. Strongly, man. Just sure. Fingers crossed. Sure. Hey, man. All right, in a bit. All right, boys. Bless, man. Peace. In a bit, lads. When I spit bars in a room, when I go hard, last and ten. We begin today's meditation with a few sipping exercises to remind us a little treat can go a long way. So pick up your McCafe iced coffees, close your eyes, and deep sip in. and deep satisfaction out. Ah. 
Take a treat retreat at McDonald's. Right now, get a McCafe iced coffee in any size and any flavor for just 99 cents until 11 a.m. Price of participation may vary. Sports Social Podcast Network. What if you could have a career where the opportunities are as vast as our nation, where it's not about mission statements, but a shared mission? At U.S. Customs and Border Protection, we go beyond to protect more than borders. From ship to shore, air to ground, cities to local communities, CBP agents and officers are keeping people safe. Join U.S. Customs and Border Protection and go beyond for something far greater than yourself. Learn more at cbp.gov careers.